Good morning, everybody. I might get in trouble for this, but uh, my name is Matt, and for Christmas, I got a foot taller and I ate too much. Oh, that was horrible. Hey, are there any kids in here? Kids, make some noise. All right, I'm going to take a moment. Um, my son was in here last week. Some of you may have met him. He would be the one that was over here and announced to everyone that he had to go potty. All right, I've, I figured most of you heard that. Um, I want to I go ahead and uh, give everyone permission right now to let the kids be kids. Um, God did not create them to sit still and politely listen to someone like me ramble on and on for a long time. So when they start making noise or um, talking to their friends or turning around and, you know, giving you a high five or thumbs up or jumping around or doing things like that, go ahead and let them. That is totally fine. And if you're their parents, don't feel like, oh my gosh, I have to keep my kid quiet. Because really, that's like going against God. and That's a bad idea. So let's just, let's just put that out there right now. It's okay for them to make noise. My name is Wes, and I am one of the resident pastors here. And uh, for those who don't know what resident pastor means, um, it was Matt's idea of kind of like a doctor doing their residency, which we thought sounded really cool. Um, but then when we tell everyone that we're resident pastors, everyone's like, do you live there? <laughs> so I just thought I would explain that in case there was any confusion. Um, let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, for uh, this chance to get together. God, for the for the past year, the st- everything that happened, um, the good, the bad, the stuff you took us all through, uh, God, we, we, we know that it is, it, it's, it's your design, it's your plan. Um, whether we could see it or not, it was, it was for our good. God, we ask that you would continue to lead us and guide us and uh, shape us and mold us in this, in this coming year. Um, God, I ask uh, right now that you would remove me, my anxiety, my nervousness, um, my lack of sleep, God, and just use me to communicate to us what it is you want us to hear today, and that you would open us up to hear um, your message. I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, today we're going to talk about our Bible, because, um, well, it's important, and conveniently, we happen to be starting today on reading through our Bible. I don't know about you, but I've sat before and listened to messages and thought, man, I am horrible because this is speaking right to me, and they got it all together up there because they're able to speak about this so eloquently. I want you to know that in the last few weeks putting this message together, the biggest thing I came away with is I suck because I do a horrible job of reading my Bible on a regular basis, and I am a professional volunteer holy person. So I guess that gives you permission to suck just as bad as I do. But it's something that we should work on. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about different things in a second here. But um, I'm going to need them to put the first slide up. It's uh, verse or chapter 6, verse 4 through 9 out of Deuteronomy. And I was going to read it to you on my phone and be all you know high-tech and stuff. But um, I can't get service. So we're going to read it right now. Um, it's, it's Happy New Year. Um, <laughs> Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. 
and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That sounds like, uh, we should read this a little bit. I don't know about you, but I haven't ever tied my Bible to my hand or etched stuff on my doorpost, but uh, I, think, uh, I think there's a point being made there. We should, uh, we should put some emphasis on this. We need to read our Bible passionately and purposefully, not passively. Anyone ever, you, 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 I mean, a book, your Bible, whatever it is, you, you crack it open, you're reading it, and you're about six pages through, and you're like, you stop and you go, what did I just read? How did I get here? What just happened? Um, I, about now, I figure the kids are starting to tune out. So we got a, a video that kind of captures this a little bit, this, this idea um, of not really paying attention to what's going on. What's the matter? A little tense about the flight? Something like that. There's really nothing to worry about, Mary. Statistically, they say you're more likely to get killed on the way to the airport. Uh, you know, like uh, in a head-on crash or flying off a cliff or getting trapped under a gas truck. That's the worst. I have this cousin. Well, I have this Boyd, could you keep your eyes on the road, please? Oh, me? <laughs> Good thinking. Can't be too careful. A lot of bad drivers out there. I mean, let's be honest. That, uh, that's kind of how you feel sometimes, right? You're like, you just read through in a chapter, a book, um, and you're like, I have no idea what I just read. How did I get here? Did any of that have any impact? Or did I just destroy something and had no clue what was going on? Um, we got to be careful. We got to read. This, this has to be important. This has to be something that we read, that we... Uh, we make a priority that we don't just, you know, passively jump through it. I probably skipped a slide. Sorry about that, guys. There's, I, I want to go ahead and give you permission to not just be locked in to this. This is cool. I, I very much like my Bible. I like the pages. It, it's, it's nice. But our day and age, we've got things like phones that we can get our Bible on. We have computers. We have tablets. We have music, or I mean CDs, MP3s. Yes, it says 8-track, right? Yes. <laughs> I swear, at one time, I found it on eBay. I, I don't want to exclude anybody, so it's up there. Um, if you're old school and you want parchment, hey, um, more power to you. You might get made fun of, but I'm just saying. Um, but there's, there's many forms, and there's nothing that makes this more holy than reading it on a tablet or on your computer or listening to it in your car. It's all God's Word. So whatever works for you, use it. I preached a message one time, and I'm gonna, I'll just throw this out there as maybe it's helpful. I'm putting your Bible in your way. Because it's very easy to get up, be busy, rush, do, get ready, run out the door, go do whatever you got to do, run errands, go to work, blah, 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 blah. Come home, need to spend time with your family, all that stuff, go to bed, do it day after day after day, and totally miss it. When I preached this message before, I was working in an office, and what worked for me was I took my Bible and I set it on my keyboard every night before I went home. So when I came back the next morning, I had no choice but to either open it up and read it or pick it up and move it out of my way to start my day. 
put it in your way. So you have to make a conscious decision to either read it or put it off till later. On the idea of not being passive about it, excuse me a second. If you're reading it and you're realizing you're not really paying attention, you stop and go ahead and hit pause. Set it off to the side. Come back to it later when you can pay attention to it. The thing about our Bible, about about God's Word, is it opens us up. It exposes us. It, it, It reveals to us stuff that God wants to work on us. He wants to shape us. He wants to use this to to mold us. And this is we open this we open this thing up. It's, it's us inviting God. Hey, do some work in us. Go ahead, have at me. And if we just kind of you know blow through it or not really pay attention or whatever, we're missing that. I know God's way more powerful than even our you know inability to pay attention to things. But we're kind of just saying it's it's sort of like if I sat down with my wife and I wanted to have a conversation, and then. I turned the TV on and only half listened, which never happens. I mean, I would never do that. I love you. Um, but that's kind of what, how it is. So make sure there's no distractions. Make sure, you know, you've, you've got the time to commit to sitting down and saying, God, here I am. Let's go to work. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 Again, because I, uh, I should have thought ahead and printed these out instead of having to read them up here. Um, and then the next one after that. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I don't think I could have put that any more clearly. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Hebrews 4.12 says... For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It expresses our innermost thoughts and desires. It opens us up. I don't, I've never read anything else that, when I got done reading some chapter of it, I, I struggled with it. <laughs> there's, there's nothing like God's word that at the same time encourages and at the same time makes you realize I'm kind of falling short here. I'm kind of missing the mark here. In the, I don't have a slide for this, so don't flip to it. Um, 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to read the story to you because oh, I want you to read it. Um, it's a story of King Josiah. I, I was thinking of trying to figure out a, a good story that would capture this idea of uh, God's Word just wreaking havoc in someone's life and making them change. This one came to mind. Um, basically, King Josiah, is, he's young when he becomes king, and uh, his predecessors were not very good guys. Um, they did not do good things. They did horrible things. They were very bad kings. Josiah, they're doing some work in the temple, and he, he has brought to him... The, the book of the law. And he's like, okay, well, read it to me. So they read it to him. And he's so anguished by it, he tears his clothes. I've never had that happen to me. So I must have never, ever been that anguished in my life to rip my clothes. I don't know how upset you have to be by that, but he gets to the point, he's so distraught, he tears his clothes, and immediately 
he, they go and they before the Lord and say, we're obviously completely messed up. God must be angry with us. What do we need to do? In quick little version after that, Josiah comes back and basically, kind of like the Tasmanian devil is what I, is a picture in my mind. He basically goes through the land and tears down everything that is an idol or something else to some other god. He basically just cleanses the entire nation. He says, we have been ignoring what God had told us to do and we've been doing the complete wrong thing. And it so captures him when he reads it that he just goes on the spree and just destroys everything that's to any other god throughout the entire nation and brings them back together and says, we need to refocus on our God. And he, he, he reads it to the people and does this, this cleansing over the land. And God says to him, you can't escape the penalty of what's happened, but because you've been repentant, you won't see it happen in your lifetime. That's amazing to me. That reaction that, that God gives back to his reaction. He says, because you were repentant, because you came before, because you realized the error of the ways of the, pe- the people that came before you and the way you were living, I'm going to have mercy on you. I have to be judgmental on, some, on the nation because of, of the sins, but because you've repented, you're not going to see it happen in your lifetime. That is awesome. And I, I love the picture of Josiah seeing God's word and, and hearing it. And his immediate reaction is, to come before God and say, as a nation, we're sorry. We want to come back to you. The Bible, it opens us up. It exposes what's off in us. I'm not going to put that there. It's a bad idea. And it, it changes. I, I, I think it also, it prepares us for what God's going to do. Do you know that even if you don't read your Bible or pray or seek after God, He's doing something in your life? Bummer for you. Wouldn't you rather be on God's team on that? Wouldn't you rather be in partnership? Even though it hurts sometimes, wouldn't you rather be like, I'm going there with you, not I'm going there, I guess, because you told me I am? All right, we got another another uh, video here to kind of capture this a little bit better. Um, This idea of the Bible exposing to us maybe something we're struggling with, maybe opening us up to realize something that is wrong that we weren't aware of. Um, But I think this captures it beautifully. One day, while talking with Dr. Archibald, Larry confronts one of his deepest fears. If my lips ever left my mouth, packed a bag and headed south, that'd be too bad. I'd be so sad. I see, that'd be too bad. You'd be so sad. That'd be too bad. Alrighty. If my lips said adios, I don't like you, I think you're gross. That'd be too bad. I might get mad. Hmm, that'd be too bad. You might get mad. That'd be too bad. Fascinating. If my lips moved to the loose, left a mess and took my tooth, that'd be too bad. I'd call my dad. Oh, dear. That'd be too bad. You'd call your dad. That'd be too bad. Hold it. Did you say your father? Fascinating. So what you're saying is, if your lips left you... That'd be too bad. I'd be so sad. I might get mad. I'd call my dad. That'd be too bad. That'd be too bad. That'd be too bad. Why? Because I love my lips. Me 
leave that bop dee ba boo Eevee da ba boo ba da boo bow Yabba da ba boo dee ba bow boo bum dee ba ba boo dow Yabba da ba da ba boo 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 bum My, this is more serious than I thought. Laddie, what do you see here? Um, that looks like a lip. What about this? It's a lip. And this? It's a lip, it's a lip, it's a lip, 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 it's a lip, it's a lip, it's a lip, 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 it's a lip, it's a lip, it's a lip, 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 lip. Laddie, tell me about your childhood. When I was just two years old, I left my lips out in the cold and they turned blue. What could I do? Oh, dear. They turned blue. What could you do? Oh, they turned blue. I see. On the day I got my tooth, I had to kiss my great aunt Ruth. She had a beard, and it felt weird. My, my, she had a beard, and it felt weird. She had a beard. Oh. Ten days after I turned eight, got my lips stuck in a gate. My friends all laughed. And I just stood there until the fire department came and broke the lock with the crowbar. And I had to spend the next six weeks in lip rehab with this kid named Oscar who got stung by a bee right on the lip. And we couldn't even talk to each other until the fifth week because both of our lips were so swollen. And when he did start speaking, he just spoke Polish. And I only knew like three words in Polish, except now I know four because Oscar taught me the word for lip. Usta. Your friends all laughed. Usta. How do you spell that? I don't know. So what you're saying is that when you were young... They turned blue, what could I do? She had a beard and it felt weird, my friends all laughed. Whoop-da! I'm confused. I love my lip. Who'd have known you could get so much out of VeggieTales? I mean, seriously. Okay, let's just take a break for it and let's be honest. I'm not giving you any kind of definitions of, you know, the Greek or blah, 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 blah. This is what you're getting. So let's just, you know. And it's, and it's going to be short. Um, I'll, just, I'll just give you that right now. So uh, some of you are happy. That's, okay. that's, that's cool. Um, wow. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to switch back here to um, making this. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story about um, a message I heard one time from a very good friend of mine who many of you know, um, Mike Barksdale. We were talking with some high schoolers in a church in Illinois, and he preached this message one time. This was 14 years ago. So I don't know. No offense, Matt. But I don't know how many messages I could tell you that I really, like, understood and can, they had an impact on me to this day. Um, but this one did. And uh, it, he, he gave a message on wearing out your Bible. And it, it was really good because his Bible was this hardback Bible that he had had for years. He literally could reach in and, like, pull out a book of the Bible. Like, it wasn't attached, so he could pull it out. Um, and, and he lost it shortly after he did his message and was distraught because it was gone. He had to start all over with a fresh, clean Bible. But he gave this message about wearing out your Bible, that it shouldn't be clean, it shouldn't be pristine, it should be tattered and torn, and you should be able to pull out sections and put them back in when you're done reading it because you use it so much. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading 
went down to put Caleb to bed, bed our four-year-old, who well, I went to bed after went, went potty, and uh, he wanted to read his Bible. So we just tried to read to him at night, and he grabbed his Bible off the shelf and um, went to get in bed, and uh, the cover fell off. And I thought, we're doing good, good as parents because his initial reaction was, oh no, like yay, you're not supposed to destroy your things, good, you feel bad about that. But my initial reaction was, oh good. And I thought immediately of that message that Mike spoke. It's like, that was my initial reaction to your Bible falling apart? I then had to explain to him why I was happy his Bible was falling apart because he was very confused. Why are you happy my stuff is destroyed? Um... But it was, it was awesome that I could take that moment and tell him, no, it's okay if you wear your Bible out. That's a good thing. It shouldn't be pristine and beautiful. It should be tattered and it should be worn. I, I have a feeling this may have been a little bit helped along by him and uh, his little brother, but um, we're not going to go there with him. We're just going to tell him that it was good he wore his Bible out. Okay, we're getting close to the end. I told you this would be quick. Um, Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. I'm in a couple of sections here. Many of you are very probably familiar with this, uh, this section of Scripture. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after you battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith and stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I don't know if you know it or not, but we're in a battle. Every single day, I don't care how old you are, Every single day we're in a battle. Unfortunately, oftentimes, we lose sight of who we're battling. Anyone ever been there? You get frustrated with someone at school or someone at work, a family member. It's just the holidays. If you're not nodding, you're lying. <laughs> and we lose sight that it's not each other that we're battling against. It's not the people that we work with that we're battling against that, that rub us the wrong way or that school, or in our family. Personally, I found that when I don't spend enough time with this, I start looking at other people as the enemy. Because I lose sight of who we're fighting against. I don't know if anyone else does that, but I do. We've got to remember what we're, what we're in this for. We've got to remember what we're fighting for, who we're fighting against. It's not each other. It's Satan. He's our enemy. We're on God's side, and he doesn't like God. So, therefore, we're on God's team. He's, he's not. On Wednesday night, uh, a group of us got together, and we watched Braveheart. And uh, there's an interesting scene in it that, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to ruin it for you right now. I'm sorry. Um, just before William Wallace gets captured... He's having a conversation with two other guys. And, and he's communicating to them that 
what he's about to do, he has to do because it's for their cause. And he's re-communicating to them. It's because they're fighting for freedom. They're fighting for the right to be their own country. And one of them, one of his best friends, basically looks at him and says, yeah, you're living in a dream world. And he looks back at him and he's like, I'm summing this up, obviously. And I don't have the accent. But he looks at him and he says, then what have we been doing all of this for? Are we fighting just for the fun of fighting? Because I'm doing this because I honestly believe this. This is our enemy, and we have to fight back to gain our freedom. And if that's not what you're fighting for, then why are you here? You're missing the point. You've lost sight of what we're doing this for. And I think, honestly, that's sometimes where we're at. This sits on our shelf or on our nightstand or buried under something too long, and we, we lose sight of what this is about, what God's done for us, what he's trying to do in us. The interesting thing I think about this is this is referred to as the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. I love that. Because you know what? When I think of a sword, I think of offense. That's what we use to attack. No one goes into battle with their shield and is like, I'm going to take you out. (laughs) That's just dumb. That's what you have your sword for. But the other thing that's awesome about it I've never been uh, in a sword fight, but I've seen you know them on movies, so I can I can tell you this is probably true. If someone attacks you with their sword, you can put yours up to defend yourself. This thing can do both. It can be defensive. It can protect. It can encourage. It can lift up. It can guard against the things that we're being attacked by. When we read it, it'll show us how to protect ourselves what we need to change to keep from stumbling in something we're struggling with. And at the same time, it can attack. It can fight back against that which Satan is trying to pull us down with. I totally don't have the verse, and I'm going to feel like an idiot, but that's okay. There's, there's a verse that talks about the gates of hell not prevailing against us. And you know how many times I had to read that before I realized it said gates of hell? Nobody puts up a gate when they're going to attack. It's for defense. It's for security. It's to keep out those that are invading. The verse told me, Satan's on the defensive because God's winning. God's advancing. And we're on God's team. So shouldn't we take up that same attitude? Again, if we're not spending time in this, we're probably losing sight of that. We're getting bogged down in the stuff of everyday life that that happens. And I can tell you that happens because I've been there for a long while. Like I said at the beginning, this message was humbling and hard to put together because I realized this hasn't been as much a priority as it should have been in my life lately. Preparing for messages, I don't think counted in my life. Because <laughs> that was kind of like work. Not, I was looking for something to communicate to someone else. Not, God, what are you trying to do in me? And that's where it had to start. The only reason I can stand up here and talk to you about this today is because I spent quite a 
bit of the last month realizing this hasn't been the right priority in my life and I had to put it back there. My encouragement to you, do the same thing. Corporately as a group, we have this opportunity together to go through and read this throughout the next year. Today, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You can't really get past the in the beginning. That's kind of the start. Tomorrow, 4, 5, 6, and 7. There are so many things to make it available to read together, to encourage each other, to do this together so it's not just you out there on your own. Now you know we're all doing it. Or at least most of us. But we can encourage each other and do this together. Make this a priority. Let it open us up. Let God work through this in our lives to shape us, to mold us. I think it would be almost scary to see what would happen with us as a church in this next year if we made this an active, ongoing thing in our life to open ourselves up and say, God, what do you want to do in us? God, thank you for today. I thank you for your word that you gave to us. And God, not that it's not just some sort of historical reference, but it's your living word that you still speak through. God, I thank you that you use it to open us up, that you use it to expose, to uplift, to encourage, to correct. God, I thank you that even when we're not faithful and we get bogged down in our stuff, you still guide us. Probably more than we're even aware. God, I ask that you would help us, each of us today, to take this next year as a group, to come together, to encourage each other, to make us a priority, to read your word on a regular basis. And God, that you would help us to be open to what it is you're trying to do in our lives. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.